is from God our Father and from our risen and living Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The word of God which we hear this morning is from the letter to the Ephesians, chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and on earth is named, in order that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So far the word of the Lord. Sanctify us by your truth, O Lord. Your word is truth. Amen. I've read somewhere, and I, I don't remember where, but I remember reading somewhere that European tourists that come to America often make the same mistake. They often make the mistake of thinking that they can see all of America in a few weeks or maybe even a month. They don't really understand, even if they've heard or know up here, they don't really understand just how vast America is. After all, they're used to little countries that are mostly smaller than a lot of our states. In fact, I saw a map of Texas over, the, over Europe, and just that one state of Texas is larger than half of continental Europe. America is much larger and they're not used to it. They don't understand its vastness. You know, even us who've grown up and lived in America our whole lives, even if we know how big America is up here, maybe don't really appreciate or understand just how vast and diverse it really is. That's what Paul is talking about in our text, except on a much bigger scale. Because he's not talking about the vastness of America, but the vastness of Christ's love and Christ's grace toward us. If you look in your bulletin, if you look at the text, Ephesians 3, verse 18, what does he say? That we may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height. And what is it that, is, that, is, that we're comprehending? It is the love of Christ. That we might be able to comprehend it. What does that word comprehend mean? It means not just to understand, but to grasp it. To have it be a part of our lives. To experience it in our everyday life. To experience that love of Christ as it lives and grows among us. If you look at our, your text again, at verse 17, you'll see that Paul uses the phrase rooted and grounded in love. You all know how planting works, right? Some plants, you just take the seed and plant them in your gardens, but others, like peppers, you've got to start them inside. And you start them in those little black containers, and they grow so big, and then they run out of room, and so you have to take them out and plant them in your garden. 
And that's what Paul is talking about here. He's talking about the word rooted really just means to be planted. Taken out of that little black plastic container and put instead in the garden. And think of the difference there is as far as limitations of space go compared to that little plastic container compared to that garden. That's the picture that Paul is talking about here. That Christ takes us out of the small little selfishness, sinfulness of our lives, which really doesn't provide room for us to grow, at least not in any meaningful way, and puts us instead in the garden of God's love and of God's grace. Not only rooted, he says, but also grounded in love. And so that first verb refers to the planting. But you know also that when you first take that little plant out of that little plastic container and put it in the ground, it's vulnerable because the roots haven't taken root yet. It's not firmly established yet. That plant is vulnerable until those roots go beyond the little soil it was in and are firmly rooted, firmly grounded in the soil of the garden. And then it can grow and expand. And again, that's what Paul is talking about. Not only that Christ plants us in the garden of his love, but that he gives us the spirit, that he strengthens us, that he waters us, so that we're firmly grounded, firmly established in that love and not as susceptible to the problems or temptations. This fullness of Christ's love that Paul is talking about, the vastness of God's grace for us in Christ, the difference between that little plastic container and the soil of the garden. Think about the difference there. In comparison, the soil of the garden is really limitless, isn't it? What is the height and length and even the depth of that soil that that little plant is now planted in? Just so with us in Christ. The difference between the smallness of our own lives and our own strength compared to the vastness of Christ's grace and Christ's love for us. In verse 19, in your text you can look again, in verse 19 Paul says that you might know the love of Christ that is beyond understanding. That sounds a little odd at first because how can we know something that is beyond understanding? But if you take a look at the Greek word, you realize that that first that you might know doesn't refer to understanding up here, but it refers to experiencing. Yeah, we can't understand the vastness of, of God's love. Just as if we try to comprehend, if we try to understand the vastness of America, that's not something we can fit inside of our head. We have to go and experience it. Even more so, the vastness of Christ's love. It's something that we can understand a little bit. We can talk about how he died for our sins, but to truly experience it in our lives, that's what Paul wants for us, to make it a part of our lives, to grow in it. What limit does that little plant have as far as how deep it can put its roots? Well, it's only limited by its own strength and time, right? There's pretty much <coughs> limitless dirt there for that plant to grow in. We planted in God's love. There is much more to explore than we could ever do in one life. We can keep growing each and every day, experiencing God's grace for us. So what are some of the things that limit us? What are some of the things that might keep us from experiencing that love of Christ in our daily lives? Well, if we go back to our text, Paul talks about some of them. 
For example, in Ephesians 3, verse 14, the first verse of our text, he says, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. To bow the knee like that obviously means he's praying. He's requesting something from God. But it means more than that too, doesn't it? Because it's not just a request, but it's also a submission to God's will. And Paul reminds us in verse 20, at the end of our text, why it's so much better to submit to God's will. Because he reminds us there in verse 20, because he is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, beyond all that we ask or think. One of the things that sometimes limits us from experiencing the fullness of God's love and of God's grace is when we insist on our own way instead of bowing, instead of submitting to God's will. When we come to God and say, this is what I want, and I don't care if you think it's a good idea or not, I want you to give me this thing. Well, that's very limited. It's limiting to our own imagination then. How much better if we receive instead according to God's imagination? That's far better, says Paul. You know, when I was a senior in high school, my senior class did a, a car wash to raise money for our senior trip. Maybe some of you guys did that as well. But I remember that the teacher <coughs> who was in charge of advising us, the teacher told us it's better if you don't put an amount on the sign. Instead of having a sign that says car wash for $10, which some people will see and drive past, well, I don't want teenagers to wash my car for $10. <clears throat> Instead, he said, it's much better if you just put donations on there. And the same people who drive past a sign that says $10, well, if it just says donations, might very well stop and often gave more, $15 or $20 after we washed their car. You always make more money on a car wash when you just put donations instead of putting an exact price. When we try and limit God, when we try and tell God, this is what, you want, this is what I want, this is what you need to give me, <clears throat> and try and demand our will, then sometimes God gives us exactly what we ask. Well, and it's okay, of course, to ask God for those things we want, but do so submitting to his will, if it be according to your will, then, as Paul reminds us, we receive exceedingly, abundantly, beyond all that we could ask, or even beyond what we can even imagine. Uh, God's grace is, we experience that love of, of Christ far greater when we submit to His will. Another thing that sometimes stops us from experiencing the fullness of the love of God that is ours in Christ Jesus is when we're stuck in our own little selfish world and we're not looking around at the greater grace, the greater love, which Christ shows to the whole family, that is to the whole church or to all believers. Again, if you look at our text, Ephesians 3.15, Paul says, from whom the whole family in heaven and on earth is named. He's talking about God the Father. From him, he says, the whole family is given a name. <coughs> This verse is a reminder of the unity that is ours as the family of God, as the church of God. The unity that is ours as a church, both locally and on a larger scale worldwide as well. We have to look at this verse in the context of Ephesians chapter 3. 
And if you go back earlier in Ephesians chapter 3, you find that Paul has been talking about how God has called the Gentiles, who were formerly strangers, now he has called them into his grace. But there were some Jews who didn't like that, who thought that, no, God and Christ and salvation should be kept just for the Jewish family. And Paul reminds them, you're missing out on the greatness of Christ's love. You're limiting it just to this small group instead of rejoicing at how much greater God's love and grace is that it is now calling even all these others, all these Gentiles that were formerly strangers, into his family. And you remember how the Jews told Jesus, we have Abraham as our father. And so that idea is what Paul is addressing in verse 15 of our text. He says, well, you want to claim Abraham as your father, but the whole church has God as its father. That's a higher thing. That's a better thing. That's a, a greater grace. Uh, not to claim Abraham as our father, but to claim God as our father. And again, the Jews said, well, we have the name. We have been named. We've been called after the name of Jacob. We have the name of Israel. And so once again, Paul says, there is a higher truth here that the whole family of God is named not after Jacob, but after God. As he reminds us in Galatians 3.26, you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And so uh, some of these people were, they were limiting the grace of God, and therefore they were missing out on the greatness, the vastness of Christ's love. And we sometimes do that too. We sometimes get stuck in our own little world, in our own problems, instead of reaching out, instead of encouraging others, instead of talking to other Christians, and finding out how God has worked in other people's lives as well. And then we experience even more of God's love and of God's grace when we, we see how His grace, His love is at work in other people's lives as well as our own. You know, the, uh, I think it was about two weeks ago, we had this empty box sitting in our house. And my wife thought it would be fun to see how Kaylee liked sitting in a box. So he, she, he, she took Kaylee and put her in the box. And I was kind of surprised. Kaylee liked it. She liked sitting in that box. And it was just big enough for her, to, for her to sit in. She couldn't play with any of our toys or read her books or do anything else. She could just sit in the box. But when we tried to take her out, she objected. She wouldn't hold, she put her hands down like this, like, no, I don't want to come out of the box. That kind of surprised me. But we sometimes do the same thing, don't we? We sometimes put ourselves in a little box, these are my problems, this is my life, and, and don't look at the greater picture of what's going on around us. I don't know if you've ever heard this, but sometimes people talk about, well, don't put God in a box. Have you ever heard somebody say that? And unfortunately, they really misuse that because they use it as an excuse to make up whatever they want about God. So you might share a Bible passage with somebody and say, the Word of God says here, for example, you know, don't live in adultery. Uh, you know, fornication is a sin. And they'll say, well, don't put God in a box. Uh, don't tell me that God, that God says no to this. Well, they're really just using that as an excuse to not listen to God's Word. But the bigger problem is when we put ourselves in that box, instead of looking around at God's greater grace to the whole family of Christ. And so we sometimes miss out on the fullness and the richness of God's grace when we, we refuse to submit ourselves to his will, and when we 
limit ourselves to our own little world instead of seeing all that he's doing for others. However, of course, <laughs> this growing in Christ's love is not something that we can do on our own. Uh, the things we've been talking about today, they go contrary to our natural inclination. Our natural inclination is to demand what we want, to think we know what's best. Our natural inclination is to care just about our own little world instead of caring about others. And so that's why Paul continues. He knows that. He knows that, well, this is not something we can do on our own. So he continues in verse 16. What do we need? We need to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. And so God has given us his Holy Spirit, which comes to us, of course, through his word and through his sacraments. And you notice in his word, uh, he does bring us out of our box. In his word, we do often hear about the vastness of his love and his grace towards other believers. When we read about all that Christ did uh, when he was here on this earth, we heard it in our, in our gospel reading this morning, uh, how he healed all the sick. When we hear about what he did to Abram, Isaac, Jacob, the three men in the fiery furnace, Joseph, and so many more, uh, we experience the vastness of Christ's love. But that's the spirit working through us to give us the strength so that we can be firmly rooted, so those roots can grow deeply into that garden of Christ's love. Now this is all good and really wonderful, and we want to daily experience the love of Christ. That's very true. However, the most important thing, even if we aren't so good at growing, even if we aren't so good at getting outside of our own little box, the most important thing is that we are planted in the garden of Christ's love. And that's something that Paul, notice, Paul doesn't say, I pray that you are, but he says, since you are, because you are rooted and grounded, firmly established in Christ's love, that's something that Christ has already done for us. He has taken us out of that small, sinful life of ours, that little container that will only lead to death, and he has planted us in the vastness of his garden. Even if we're not so good at grasping, experiencing it every day in our life, we are God's children by faith, as we read in Galatians 3.26. We have been bought by His blood. He did die for us and rise again, and heaven is ours. So even if we fail to really experience the joy of Christ's love, we still have that confidence to know that Christ is our Savior and we are going to heaven. We have been planted by His grace in his love. Amen.